Do you remember when you were a kid and Christmas was only about the presents? I mean, you liked the lights and the decorations and the cookies, but presents were all that mattered. In fact, once the gifts were open, you could have been just fine if mom and dad never showed up again. You had what you wanted. But then at some point, you grew old enough where what matters most to you is who you're with. The people are the presents. Maybe it's because when you're young, it feels like people are a given. Mom, dad, brothers, and sisters, they just have to be there, so presents are special. But as you get older, you're able to buy most of what you want, and presents aren't as special anymore. But time with your kids or grandkids, time with your family and close friends where no one has to work or rush off anywhere, and there's no schedule or agenda other than being with each other. It's a magical time of year. Now maybe you're already ahead of me, but let's be honest, that's what most of us dream about every Christmas. But it never becomes a reality for most of us. For many of us, holidays are just as stressful and rushed and hurried as any other time of year. We are juggling multiple schedules and events and get-togethers. Not all of those include the people we really want to be with, but we have to make an appearance. And so the holidays end up being this flurry of activity where you don't ever feel like you get as much time to connect and be with each other as you dreamed of. It all feels a little hollow. Or maybe your holidays aren't packed. Your kids are out of the house and your parents don't live nearby or there's so much conflict and tension in your family that no one really enjoys their time together. Maybe this is your first Christmas grieving the loss of someone or your first divorce or another Christmas single. The holidays just increase that feeling of loneliness. Because even though you know it won't be a reality, your longing to be with someone is stronger than ever. Well, throughout this series, what we've been talking about is how all the deep longings in our soul are signs leading us towards something we've never really experienced. At Christmas, we all feel this nostalgia for a kind of hope and joy and love that we know exists, but it always feels like it's slipping through our fingers. It's like we're homesick for a place we've never been. But at Christmas, we celebrate how 2,000 years ago, the home we were made for actually came to us. Jesus is the only true satisfaction for the deepest longings and desires of our hearts. And it's only when we find our hope and peace and love in Him that we ever find rest. Because even though life can be draining and lonely and tiring at times, Jesus invites us into a kingdom full of life and peace and deep connection with God and others. And no matter who you are or what you believe about God, we believe this life is available to you. Because no matter what you think about God, He can't stop thinking about you. And we want to help you find the life God has in store for you. Throughout this video, we're going to talk about how we can find the solution for the deep loneliness that all of us face at some point by finding our home in Jesus. Hi, my name is Kelly, and welcome to Community Christian Anywhere. Why are people so captivated by Christmas? 
Now, I know not everybody likes Christmas. I used to be one of those guys that just got through all of it, but as I've gotten older, I've gotten on the bandwagon of it's the most wonderful time of the year. But even though there are some, there's no doubt that Christmas is the one day that in our world, everybody seems to be on the same page. The only other day that comes even close is New Year's Day, but it's not the same. We're all around the world, people are celebrating, but it's true of Christmas. And I know that there's some people that celebrate all holidays big. In my neighborhood, the 4th of July, most years sounds like a small war zone with a number of people having fireworks going off and the notifications on Facebook of people complaining about other people setting off fireworks. And people have their flags out and they wave them around, but you don't see people putting little statues of the signing of the Declaration of Independence in their yard. But I know a lady that has dozens of nativity sets in her house and one outside her house. Christmas is just its own category. Like, Christmas literally translates out in Latin, Christ Day. It memorializes the birth of Jesus coming into the world. But, but here's what we all know. People that even don't even believe in Jesus, they get caught up in Christmas. I mean, right? Christmas is different. I, I think Christmas sometimes feels like it's magical. Like, every Christmas movie you watch, uh, from Home Alone to The Grinch to Die Hard, something almost magical happens. Well, why do we tell stories about it like that? And why are we all captivated by it so? Well, I think it goes to what we talk about around here uh, during Advent. Christmas, it's when hope is born, when peace in our hearts and our relationships with all people seems possible. It's when love feels so tangible. I, I think that's why we love it. I think that's why we're into it so much. See, the event we celebrate this time of the year is the birth of Jesus. And on that night that he was born, the impossible happened. I mean, sometimes in life, it's really hard to believe in God, let alone believe that God is good or that he loves you or that he cares or he cares about what's good for your life. It's really hard to believe that's true when your life isn't all that good and it doesn't feel good. It's, it's just hard. It's painful, it's confusing. And I'm not talking about you had a bad day or you had a bad week or you had a bad stretch or a bad run, right? You're, you're on a bad decade. It's hard to believe that that's true. But I believe that's the way people in the town of Bethlehem felt the night that Jesus was born. A country that had just been this habitual loser in war, they're constantly under oppression by someone from another country, they, they just can't get ahead. This has been going on for more than 10 generations. No one remembers a time when this wasn't true. The night Jesus was born, it all begins to change. It's because of the word that to us means deep love. And that love would bring peace with God and provide hope to the darkest of circumstances. I want to look at a single verse of the Christmas story today. Just one single, very powerful little word in that verse. It was actually spoken in a promise given by God to a prophet named Isaiah a long time ago when he said, the young woman will be with a child, that's Jesus, and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The little world I want to talk to you about is the word with. Not God above us, not even God around us. It's God with us. The reason it's so powerful is from 
When we were really little, we all know the part of being alive means sometimes being alone. Nobody wants to admit it, being lonely, but nobody wants to be that kid in school that no one wants to sit with or talk to. One of my favorite movies is Forrest Gump. If you, if you haven't seen it, uh, Forrest is this young man who was born a little different than everybody else. So when he goes to school and he begins to ride the school bus, nobody wants to sit with him. In fact, even if the seat's open, they'll all say, that seat's taken. And watching it, you, you feel the pain of this little boy being all alone and until a little girl named Jenny says, you can sit with me. And then, then he's not alone. Then he's with. And Jenny, she's like an angel to Forrest. One of the things that we love about Christmas is that Christmas is all about being with, with friends, with family, with the church. And what makes Christmas hard for a lot of people, maybe you've gone through a loss or a breakup or an illness or depression, or you can't have any children, or you're looking for a relationship, or maybe for some reason, that you don't even know, Christmas is often the loneliest time of the year. Maybe it is for you. Sometimes we think our loneliness is something another person could take away from us and it, and we wouldn't be lonely at Christmas. It just means we've not found the right person. We just don't have them yet. It would change if we just had the person we want to be with. Some of the deepest thinkers of the last century have said that loneliness is an inevitable part of being human. Jean-Paul Sartre, the philosopher, said the reason we're lonely is that we're meaning-seeking creatures, but we live in a meaningless world. The biologist scientist Richard Dawkins wrote a few years ago that the reason we're lonely in this universe is that the universe offers no design, no purpose, no hope, just blind, pitiless indifference. But into a world where people feel that way comes Christmas. And Christmas is a claim that things are not that way. That you were made by God and God actually hates loneliness. One of the earliest statements we have from God about human beings is God saying, it's not good for people to be alone. God doesn't want any child sitting alone, any person feeling lonely. In fact, the central theme of the Bible is God's desire in creating was to be with people. An Old Testament scholar counted 114 times in the Hebrew scriptures alone where God says, I will be with you. Be not afraid. You don't have to go through life feeling lonely. God comes to people and gives them all of these pictures of his presence with people and has them build a temple that's like his house and says, I will be with you to hear your prayer. I will be with you to receive your worship. I will be with you to give you guidance. I will be with you through the scriptures. And all of those, it turns out, are just a prelude to God finally saying, I've got to go down there myself and be with those people. That's the birth of Jesus. That's Christmas, when the biggest miracle of all is also the smallest. God causes all of his person, all of his presence, all of his majesty, and all of his power to be condensed and compacted into one fragile, frail, little human being. He goes down to earth to be with people, starting with this peasant, impoverished girl named Mary and her family. Because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, 
That's the word with. It becomes Jesus' favorite word. As he starts his three years of ministry, Jesus collects this strange group of fishermen and tax collectors and women who are outcast. And Mark, who writes about Jesus' life, tells us that Jesus called them to be with him. There's his word. Later, after three years of experiences, seeing Jesus die and resurrect and then watching him leave, this band of followers are confronted by the authorities. And this is what was said of them. They, the authorities, realized these were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and took note that they had been with Jesus. Jesus is with beggars and lepers and foreigners and prostitutes and enemy soldiers. One time, Jesus has spent so much time with those people that he was called the friend of sinners, and they intended it as an insult. But for him, it was like a badge of honor. That little word, with, is kind of what got Jesus killed because he kept hanging out with the wrong people and religious authorities hung him on a cross and he died. Then three days later, he was resurrected. Then when Jesus is on the cross, Jesus tells one of the men hanging next to him, today you will be with me in paradise. And after his resurrection, a man named Matthew tells us that the last promise Jesus made to his followers was surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus says, I am with you. You may wonder, how could Jesus be with people if he is not present bodily? Well, being with someone is about much more than just physical proximity. In fact, some people can have their bodies at the same table with you, but their presence, their attention, their mind, is a million miles away. In our world, we call these people husbands. Ooh, I'm sorry, cheap shot. But here, when Jesus says, I am with you, he is saying, now, having become human and been crucified and resurrected, he is no longer restricted by a body like you and I are. So Jesus can be present with anybody. He can be with you. He wants to be with you. That's the personal message of Christmas. Try this tomorrow morning when you wake up. You can just say, be with me, Jesus, and he will. He can be with you in your thoughts. He can be with you when you go to work. He can be with you in your family. He can be with you in your pain. He can be with you in your hopes, and he can be with you through other people. Jesus said, particularly to the least of these, the poor, the sick, the imprisoned, and the forgotten, I am right there. The sustaining power of the presence of God has made the weak strong. Down through the centuries, it has made the deathbed a place of triumph. It has brought hope to people in their old age. It has brought courage to people who are desperate. It has brought freedom to people who are addicted and couldn't get free any other way until they turn their life and will over to Him. So on the very first Christmas, we've all heard the story when the angels show up and announce the impossible just happened. Unto you, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And his name is Emmanuel, God with us. God with flesh on. The question is, where is he? <laughs> well, he's right over there in Bethlehem, laying in a manger. And he'll grow up and he'll make impossible things possible. And the shepherds, well, they went off to sea. I wonder if in the moment of darkness that there was that was just generational in their world because no one could remember ever living in freedom. I wonder if some of them began to think, 
could, could this be true? Could, could God love us that much that he would come? Maybe in, in that moment, hope came back a little bit. Maybe one of those shepherds were, who were all probably young boys that had never seen any other way to survive. They, is the only thing they could do was to keep sheep and spend the night with, uh, as a shepherd. They thought, nobody cares about me. Everybody's given up on me. I'm out on my own. Maybe for a minute they thought to themselves, maybe I'm not alone. Maybe there is some hope. I want to ask you a question. It's really pretty intrusive. Have you ever lost hope? Have you ever given up? Or do you right now have something in your life that you wanted to have happen for so long and it hadn't happened? And the logical conclusion is it's not going to happen. Maybe for other people, but it's probably not for somebody like you. Anybody there? Earlier this year, I heard of a friend of mine who was in a really dark place. He had taken some leave and from work and he was trying to get it together, but when the time was up and it was over, he just walked away from a career that he had worked really hard to build. And I texted and I got no response. And I asked other friends about him and no, no one really knew what was up. And so I sent him a text and it read, I'll just read a little bit of it to you. Hey man, this is Ed Martin. And in case you lost my phone number and didn't recognize the number, uh, I don't think I ever told you this, but years ago, I was in a place where I felt like my whole life was dark tunnel and had no exits. And all I could see was just more tunnel. And when a light would show up, It'd just be another freight train that dumped more weight on me. And I don't know if that's where you are right now, but if you are and you want to talk, I'll come into the tunnel with you. But even if you don't want to talk, if you don't want to talk to me, don't give up. I'm praying for you. Eventually you'll see your way out of that tunnel because eventually the light shows up and it's Jesus. I love you. You know, maybe you're with us today and you don't know this about Community Christian, so I just want you to know, we're not that church that says, if you had enough faith or you just had more faith, you wouldn't ever be in any dark tunnels in your life. We're, we're not the church that teaches that if you really love Jesus, at least the right way to love Jesus, God will keep all the freight trains from running over you. He'll keep cancer, he'll keep the car wrecks, He'll keep addictions. He'll keep heartbreak and death away from you. You know why we don't teach that? Because you can't find it in the Bible. What I do find in the Bible is a God who is good and who loves us and who wants good for us and who keeps his promise. One of which is that when you're afraid, not, not if you're afraid, but when you're afraid, Whatever dark tunnel you find yourself in, he'll say the same thing to you that he said 2,000 years ago to some very, very afraid people. He'll say the same thing. Hey, I'm with you. You're not alone. I love you. I will not leave you. You don't have to do one moment of your life without me. I'll bring you good news. It'll cause great joy. All people. What do you mean? Jesus is here. He's here with us. See, in the end, I don't love Christmas because it's magical. Because magic, it can be explained. I mean, it's some kind of trick. But Christmas, 
It's what we long for because it's a miracle. See, Christmas is a time when God did the impossible, when God himself took on flesh and came to us in our dark tunnel and he said, I'm right here, I'm right here. And I walk with you through the darkness. I walk with you down the dark tunnel. As a matter of fact, with you is my name. God with us, Emmanuel. It turns out that for our loneliness, it's kind of a clue. It's a kind of a clue of who we are. Just like the fact that we hunger indicates that we were made to eat and the fact that we thirst indicates that we were made to drink, our loneliness tells us that we were made for God and to be with God. And the good news of Christmas is that God loves you so much that you don't have to go through that feeling alone. You can ask Jesus to be with you. What a great time to do that. You could ask him to forgive you of any wrongdoing, the stuff you've done, the things you're embarrassed about, the sin, the flaws that make all of us want to hide from each other and make us isolate and make us feel so lonely and give us, he'll give you a fresh start with his forgiveness. Maybe you're already a Christian and you've known God for a while, but he's felt far away for a long time. You can begin all over again with him right now and make space for him in your everyday life. You can get help for this because there's another with promise from Jesus right in the middle of the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus says, For where two or three of you gather in my name, there I am with them. That's this amazing promise. And he actually has a plan for loneliness. And his plan is that those of us who follow him, we create community that's really kind of a family that would embrace anybody who needs to be loved because God hates it when anybody sits alone. It's very ironic to me in our day as modernization increases and poverty and illiteracy and disease are all going down. But guess what? Loneliness is going up. Turns out we've discovered over the last couple of years that loneliness is a much bigger problem than researchers have ever thought. Three out of every four Americans right now are struggling from loneliness. Loneliness is so epidemic in Great Britain, some of you have read about this, that the UK has appointed a cabinet-level government position called the Minister of Loneliness to try to address this problem. And a whole field of treatment has emerged in psychology called pet therapy. Numerous studies have shown that the presence of an animal companion can loosen the pain of isolation. We buy dogs and cats or rabbits or even goldfish to reduce loneliness because we're lonely people. Over the last 30 years, the number of Americans who say they, they, they have close friends in whom they can confide has dropped by 50%. And then the unexpected happens. Like a worldwide pandemic might happen. And so many people are depressed. They wonder, where is God? What do I do? Jesus had this plan that when tragedies come, when you have to bury a child, an aging person battles an illness, or somebody loses a job, or somebody goes through a divorce, or somebody feels rejected, that no one would stand alone. This family, Jesus, is right here in the middle of it. And the very good news is, this is the message of Christmas. God and sinners reconciled. Emmanuel, God with you if you want him to be.
The invitation of Jesus is the invitation of life with God, but not just a spiritual experience. It's the invitation to a life lived in the community of God with brothers and sisters in Christ who encourage and strengthen and live with each other as we learn together what it means to love everyone always, just as Jesus has loved us. And we would love to help you take a step into our community here where you can experience the life Jesus has in store for you. All you have to do is text the words next step to the number on the screen and someone from our team would love to reach out and help you take your next step with God and our community. You weren't meant to go through this life alone and you don't have to. Life with God and his people is available to you. All you have to do is take a step. So please text the number on the screen and we'll help you take that next step. But no matter what you choose to do, I hope you leave knowing that Christmas is the proof that no matter what you think about God, He can't stop thinking about you.